Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. God told me to tell you this. That's paganism. Do you really expect and anticipate that the divine voice of God can be heard by you? That's horoscope reading. Standing in the office of the prophet of God. That's reading tea leaves. You can't have a relationship to God if you can't hear God. That is not biblical Christianity. You want to hear God speak to you? Read your Bible. If you want to hear God speak to you audibly, read it out loud. I promise you, 100% guaranteed, you will hear him speak. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Sup? It's the Wretched Radio mail call delivery bag Q&A infotainment nationwide extravaganza featuring your voicemails, correspondences, communiques, dispatches, memorandums, and missives. Any special message for all the kids watching at home? What we need right now is a clear message to the people of this country. You have 1,200 messages. It is a bit above average. Now, here's your host. Todd Freakishly Tall Friel. The mail is here! Ooh, up? Four syllables now. <laughs> this is Wretched Radio. Whatever is on your mind, uh, kindly share it. Idea at wretched.org. You can also use the texter machine, 877-282-2337. And let us know what's sup. I was waiting for him. I'm trying to be hip and relevant. Yes, you are. How'd I do? You did terrible. Thank you. (laughs) All right. Our first question comes from Alexandra. Todd, I know that the fear of man is a sin in my life. I've heard the main way to combat this sin is fear of the Lord. But how do I practically grow in the fear of the Lord? Uh Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good answer. Well, I'm looking for something right <laughs> yeah, now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Having pondered it, here's my answer to your question. How do you develop a correct fear of the Lord to lose your fear of a man problem? Oh, happy anniversary. That's how. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. You say, wait a second. How does the Flintstones anniversary song help me develop a fear of God and lose my fear of man? Because it's the first anniversary of the Transform podcast with Dr. Greg Gifford. A little bird told me what the subject matter is going to be, Jimmy. He starts a new series this week on on the fear of man. There you have there. There it is. Tune into that. He'll, he'll give you a thorough treatment of the subject in a way that is gettable. You're going to understand. Go, okay, got it. Why? Because it's the Bible applied to the heart. So if you deal with fear of man and, hey, to varying degrees, who of us doesn't? You say, well, I'm a pretty confident person. All right, so here's, here's a question for you. When you have to do public speaking, do you get nervous? Why? Well, I don't want to biff it. Why? Well, I don't want to look foolish. There it is right there. You want man to think of you the same way you think of yourself. We all have that lurking inside of our members. While we have been given new hearts, we got this still unglorified carcass we drag around, and it still has the propensity to desire wrong things. And that's why our battle, our enemy is threefold. World flesh, and the devil. We all have a fear of man problem. And by the way, lurking underneath a fear of man problem is a pride issue, an exalted view of self. It is underlying every single sin we commit. And you say, wait a second, how can pride 
be at the root of thieving. Somebody breaks into a bank. Now, what does pride have to do with that? Why did they feel like they can take somebody else's stuff? Because they're better than those people and they deserve it. And they want it for free because that's what they deserve. What is that but pride? Got to tell you, it would be, Jimmy, if there were only a church that were dealing with that subject this weekend in Alpharetta, that was a biblechurch.org, <laughs> that would be really great. The, the subject matter is, is in part going to be about humility. This might surprise you, but one of our examples that we're going to use for somebody who is humble. Okay, Jimmy. Let's let's see if let's see if you grab this. Okay. I, I don't I don't think you're gonna because until you kind of immerse yourself into a text, you, you're you're probably gonna skate over this particular guy who exhibited tremendous humility. Think of guys in the Bible that were humble. Go, Jesus. They there. That's the preeminent example. We're gonna be talking about him. Think of another. Think of another guy who was humble. Ooh, um, Paul. Paul, yeah. Exhibited humility. Mm -hmm. I think Matthew exhibited humility in that he he allowed himself to reveal he was a tax collector. That's that's a mark of humility because tax collectors, H A T E D, disliked in that culture because they were so abusive. They were ringing people for every drachma that they could get. And he was willing to say, that's who I was. That's a mark of humility. Believe it or not, our study is going to be on humility. Well, we'll just let you show up to Alpharetta Bible Church to find out for yourself. John the Baptist. Idea at Wretched. Yes, I said John the Baptist. That's right. I couldn't keep it to myself. John the Baptist. <laughs> Shockingly humble. Simultaneously bold. And don't we need to find that balance? We hope you'll join us at Alpharetta Bible Church and send stuff so we can know what's idea at And don't forget the Transformed with Dr. Greg Gifford podcast. It is, he's got 8,000 subscribers now. Wow. In, in a year. In a year. That is amazing. That's because it's so good. Mm. Don't tell him I said so. It's so good. Transform with Dr. Greg Gifford. All right. This is a text uh, that came in from Anonymous. I taught I'm a small group leader in my church youth group, and I'm worried that my students are not reading their Bible and coming up with excuses to get out of it. I understand that as a teenager, I was busy too, but how can I motivate them to read their Bible? Mm primarily make sure they're regenerated you can lead a teenager to the scriptures but you can't make them read it now you there ain't nothing wrong mom and dad with forcing your kid to read the bible but that's not the goal is it and that, that that's that that's that's not the desire the desire is that we desire the word see it as milk and honey that, that we want to linger there because that is the path of wisdom. I get to know God. I get to understand his ways. Whoa. And when I follow them, he's going to bless me. I want to read that book that reveals, whoa, Jesus died for me. I want, I want to spend time. That's the goal. And unregenerate teenagers will not have that desire. They just won't have it. And so the primary goal, the constant focus, I think for youth ministry is to make sure that the kids are saved. And if they're not, it doesn't mean that every week you need to berate them. 
but it does mean at least there should be some clarity. I, I, if, if I were leading a youth group, stop laughing. If I were leading a youth group, that would be like order number one. I would trot out, sorry for the plug, I would trot out, are you a rotten fish? We're going to make our way through this book because false conversions are revealed as a constant danger inside of a church. Jesus was, I would say, at least half of the Gospel of Luke is concerned about true and false conversions. The wheat and the tares, wise virgins, foolish virgins, etc. So I would make sure, and then I would make sure that there's clarity. Now that we understand exactly what the gospel is, it's not about three circles. It's about Jesus dying for sinners and that you must, you must respond to his act of kindness to you in repentance and faith or you will perish. It is, a, it is an invitation, it is an offer, and it is a simultaneous threat. Come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you done that? I, I'd want to know, hey, look, if you're going to be in church, this is what we're about. Okay, we, we don't skirt around the edges and play. This is the thing. So, are you saved? Are you born again? Are you sure? Tell me your story. Let's hear your conversion story. I noticed several hands didn't go up. Okay, I'm really grateful for that courage. So, here's what we know. You're coming to church, but you're not a Christian yet. We want you to keep coming. We, we, we want you to see Jesus as the diamond of the universe that is precious, of great value, and that you will desire him. So keep on coming. Thanks for the clarity. And now that we all know where we stand, then I would move on. But honestly, I wouldn't pass go. I wouldn't collect $200 until I understood where each and every one of those kids in that class actually stood before the Lord. 877-282-2337. So, Todd, this is from Hunter. Todd, what... Jimmy, did I answer the question? I think you did. Um, his main question was, how can I motivate students to read their Bible? You got to get them saved. That's right. You got to get right. them saved. That's that. That's what I would do. And, and I think and then encourage them and teach them how to do it. That's got to be the focus. Is uh, is their salvation? Now, what what would help those who are saved? Teach them how to read it. Explain it to them. The Bible makes sense. But so it, it, it takes a teacher to say, this is how the thing works. We're, we're gonna, I'm going to show you how this thing works, and then I'm going to show you how to understand it, and then I'm going to show you how to apply it. And that will show you why this book is indeed precious and that you should indeed dive into it and keep swimming in it because it's so good for you. It's the, it is the best. Is there a better way to spend time than reading God's Word? I Mm. Okay, yeah, in church, worshiping, but you're, it's all revolving around the Word, isn't it? Worship is, communion is, the preaching is, the praying is. There's just nothing better. Show them that. Make sure they're saved. Teach them how to read it and show them why they should. And I suspect um, you might see a little bit of a transformation in your teenage youth group. And you could also get Road Trip with Truth at Wretched.org. This is Wretched Radio. I would say the Tomorrow Clubs is a wonderful ministry. Kids are getting saved like crazy, not just in Eastern Europe, but also in Africa. And it's so efficient. I was just with Paul and Cindy Marty. And I asked, and it said, in, in American currency, how much does it cost to have a kid come to a Tomorrow Club four times a month? So every single week, what, what's the, what does it take to make that happen? Ready? 
a buck, one dollar. That's it. The kid comes, they get treats, they get materials that they learn the Bible, they memorize a buck because it's it's all volunteer driven. All those dear ones, they're volunteers. It's an amazing ministry. And if you have a heart for the lost in Eastern Europe, Africa, and you love supporting ministries that are super efficient and biblically sound, I would point you in the direction of tomorrowclub.org slash wretched, tomorrowclub.org slash wretched, and ask how many children might I be able to support per month? Hey, thank you so much for listening to Wretched Radio today. Now, I want to speak to those of you who regularly purchase from Wretched.org. Here's something I do want you to take some time and think over. While we appreciate you and everyone who purchases from the Wretched store, what if you could go from being a loyal customer to someone on the inside, an exclusive member? Here's what I mean by that. Think about going to Starbucks. You go to Starbucks every single morning. You know the people there. They love you. They cherish you. They value you. But what if you went one day from being just a loyal customer to someone who knew the secret menu? We want you in the inner circle to help us create content that reaches millions all over the world. There's no secret handshakes to this inner circle, just a heart for the gospel and a passion for sharing it. So if you would prayerfully consider becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner, we would certainly appreciate it and welcome you into the club. Wretched, amazing grace, amazing gospel. I believe in a culture of life. One of the most impactful moments of my life was when I heard the heartbeat of my oldest daughter uh, in my wife's womb and then saw the sonograms of all three of my kids. The sonogram or the, the pictures that are taken of babies, still a profoundly helpful tool, which encourages me to encourage you to consider supporting Preborn Ministries. Preborn Ministries and their network clinics, they are giving away free ultrasounds to women, but they do cost something. It's $28 an ultrasound. And just as you heard Governor DeSantis say, his view of life was profoundly changed when he saw the baby in the womb when you see the form and the shape and the fingers and the heartbeat. Would you please consider supporting Preborn? It's a great ministry of life. It has a high anthropology, shares the gospel with women and with the dads. Preborn.org slash wretched. Preborn.org slash wretched. Important dates in Christian history. 1456. Johann Gutenberg produces the first printed Bible, and his press becomes a means for dissemination of new ideas and catalyzing changes in politics and theology. Without the printing press, the Reformation may have looked very different. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. What is up? This is Wretched Radio. Whatever is on your mind, we'd love to receive it. Idea at wretched.org. Text it. 877-282-2337. All right. This one is from Hunter. Todd, what would you say is the main reason God can't just forgive angels even if they want it to repent? Yeah, because they don't have a savior. This is the importance of correct Christology understanding the hypostatic union of Jesus Christ, understanding we are in the person of Jesus Christ. We see 100% God, 100% man. Why did we need that kind of Savior? 
because we needed one to represent us fully and totally, not partially, not kind of, not reflecting, not fuzzy way, in a fuzzy way, but in an exact way, fully human. And because God's wrath abides upon us, we need a sacrifice to appease God, which is his son, Jesus, fully God. We need that savior. Otherwise, justice can never be settled. And that is why angels will never be able to recoup from their rebellion against God after creation when they were cast out of paradise. They can't be reconciled to God because there's no there's no God angel. They're, they're, well, I guess if you're a Mormon. But the point is, you, they don't have a savior. And so they can't be forgiven. And that is why... We are so grateful that God gave us exactly what we need, which is the God-man, Jesus Christ. Idea at wretched.org. All right, this is a, a question I found interesting from Karis. And she says, Todd, can we discuss the biblical perspective on aging gracefully for women? Oh. Especially in light of this new trend where older female celebrities like Martha Stewart and even Dolly Parton mm-hmm. are being celebrated for showcasing their bodies. Yeah, that was she's I think Dolly, what did we what did we do? She's 77. Uh, yeah, I believe so. And, and she's putting on the Dallas Cowboy cheerleader mm-hmm. costume. Yeah. <laughs> she did not do anybody but herself, so she thinks, a favor. Every woman now is like, wait a second, you mean I can never get old? I can never admit gravity has ultimately won. I can never get to the point where I don't have to pretend I'm younger than I actually am. Nope. Thanks, Dolly. We should say goodbye, Dolly, because she ain't helping women with the. She's got trainers and nutritionists and cosmetic surgeons, and it, it rubs off on us, and we feel that pressure the desire to look younger than we are, to look better than we actually do. There's nothing wrong with beautifying yourself if the motive isn't pride and vanity or fear of man. That's that's fine. We don't. We're, Christians aren't opposed to makeup, getting your hair cut, whatever whatever it is that, that keeps us kept. But that's different than feeling this pressure. I've got to present myself in a fashion that tells the world I'm not what I actually am. I actually am. I've, I don't know that I've got to do any editing on it. I actually wrote a chapter on that for a book that I, I'm pretty sure we're going to be releasing this year. It, it's an attempt to show how Jesus is in every molecule, not, not in a panentheistic kind of way, but that every molecule is about Jesus, everything. And knowing that, we can say, let's just take a look at reality and 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 took a, identify the stuff that we witness. And what we all witness, what is clearly observable to all, is that we get old. Okay. Therefore, there must be something about Jesus in aging. And there is, because aging tells us we ain't God. He doesn't get old. We do. He doesn't fall apart. We do. He has no aches or pains. We do. And death is inevitable because we live in this sin-infected world. So what does that mean for us Christians as we get older? It means that we understand that this is God's program. And I'm not going to kick against the goads. Furthermore, 
I read the Bible describing old men and old women telling them to be dignified. I read that gray hair is a crown of wisdom. I read that the individual who has lived more decades knows more stuff than the whippersnappers. So I don't need to be embarrassed about age or gray hair or wrinkly skin or a saggy middle or knees that don't bend quite right or that I that I have to stand up and sit down, not cross my legs because they fall asleep or my feet get swollen or that, that you have to, you don't have to, you don't have to apologize for that. And you don't have to hide it. And you don't have to pretend that that hasn't affected you. That's really lying. Hey, I'm getting older. There's a news flash, but I'm not going to let you know it. What is, what is the, that deceptive act? And it really comes from a heart of pride and a failure, even on the Christian part, to remember that aging is about Jesus and that the Bible identifies what it is and how we can move through it with the biblical word that is used for old people and young. Dignity. Let's, let's be different. Now, having said all of that, if, if you choose to do things to beautify yourself, it's a heart issue. And I understand, you know, you want to dye your hair. It's not a sin necessarily to dye your hair. Go ahead and dye your hair. But just know you don't have to. You don't have to. You've got permission. Why? Because we're not going to let the world tell us what we should look like when we're 50, 60, 70, and 80. We're going to let God tell us. And to, and to mask white hair. Now, I, again, not a sin. But if, if it's like, whoa, I'm just desperate to, for people to not think that I'm old. Uh, that that deception is not befitting a believer. We should be shouting back to Hollywood and to Vogue. Hey, look at this. This is beautiful aging right there. Not Dolly dressed up in a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader costume. Really? That's our goal. We want to look like that. That's our standard. Sorry, God's the standard. And he tells me that there's a beautiful aspect of aging, a growing in wisdom and contentment and peace and anticipation as we progressively get fit for heaven to enjoy the delights that await us. Not only is aging something that the Bible speaks about, so does dying. The world, we got to we gotta just, oh, death, oh. Look, death is a foe, but he's so defeated. And we don't have to fear it. We don't have to be in terrors. I didn't say click your heels over the prospect of how you're going to go down. But being horrified of it? No, we can, we can go to the grave with peace and assurance and even courage. Why? Because we're letting the Bible inform us. And that's what we need to do when it comes to aging, how we dress, how we present ourselves, oh, what we do. Okay. All right. You want some transparency? I'll give it to you, all right? There's something that happens when you get older. Your teeth start moving around. Teeth become a thing. Uh, they, they, you know that if you know any older people, if you're young and you're like, what? You just, you know, you bite into hard candy and you don't think twice about caramel corn, no problem. Well, people in their 50s, 60s, 70s, they got all kinds of dental work. And if they eat caramel corn, it could make their tooth fall out. And they're just concerned, or they break a tooth, don't want to chip a tooth, want to make sure that my teeth are working. It, it kind of becomes a thing. And one of the things is that they actually just move around. I had braces as a kid. 
I was Bucky Beaver. Believe me, I was called that more times than I can count. I could eat an apple through a picket fence. I, I, if I walked into a room, my teeth would be the first thing to bump into the furniture. Okay? So I had braces. And overall, they were, my teeth were straight. My bottom teeth now in the front, I got kind of a rogue tooth going on. Eh, what am I going to do about that? There's stuff you can do. I guess I could go get braces. Uh, they, uh, the, uh, is it called Invisalign? Yeah, yeah my middle I, son has those. Okay, Invisalign. All right. Could I do that? Sure. Now, do I think, by the way, that your son, is he still a teenager, Jimmy? Yes. Okay. Nobody thinks that a kid is sinning for having braces because it doesn't have to be. sin. can be like everything, but it doesn't have to be. All right. But I'm not a, I don't know if you noticed, I'm not a teenager anymore. And I have different considerations now. What am I trying to communicate with straight teeth? Why do I even think that I might need to have my teeth straightened? Versus recognizing, you know, I could, I could uh, just leave it as is. And people might look at it and they could have the opinion, oh, he's got a crooked tooth. Oh, is that going to drive my decision? Or could I see a higher ideal? Yeah, I've got a crooked tooth because that's what happens to your teeth when you get older. No apologies, no shame. We have tools and there are products that you can use to beautify and to correct. And in most instances, now in some of the surgeries, mm, but, but in most instances, the beauty industry doesn't have to be sinful. You can if you choose. But what the Bible does is it frees us from feeling the urgent need to avail ourselves to make ourselves look better than we actually do. This is Wretched Radio. And it's now time for a Wretched News Break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. We start in Finland, where an LGBTQ prosecutor has appealed the acquittal of a Christian politician who was fined for simply sharing her biblical views on marriage in 2019. We've talked about this several times, but the former member of parliament cited Romans 1 in a pamphlet supporting traditional unions. And for her trouble, police investigated and she faced potential jail time for several years until the courts finally protected her free speech in April. But this radical prosecuting bureaucrat persists seeing her punished. That's a vindictive abuse of power. And over in the UK, the government is finally investigating links between pornography and violence targeting women and children. Given the deluge of hardcore media dehumanizing and commodifying females, you'd think it's about time to acknowledge the obvious correlation. And you might have guessed the multi-billion dollar pornography industry is predictably outraged over this long overdue scrutiny because it's going to harm their profit model. You know, it might harm your profit model, but you're doing a lot more harm to women and children producing that garbage. In Canada, the head of the British Columbia's Pride organization was arrested this week. No, 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 he wasn't. Alleged sex crimes with minors was the charge. The leader remains jailed on charges of sexual interference involving multiple boys under the age of 16. Turns out the person leading school outreach programs for the local Pride Festival also produced child pornography. 
And back to the states, in Washington state, health officials are planning to distribute overdose rescue kits to all public high schools in response to the rise in youth opiate deaths. The preventative measure comes as illicit fentanyl ravages communities at unprecedented rates. Wasn't Washington, it may have been Oregon, one of those two states near that corner of the country, didn't they try to decriminalize illicit drugs? Not saying this is a result because it may even be the wrong state, but decisions like that sure aren't helping. And on matters of gender identity, a new study found nearly every state has witnessed skyrocketing rates of kids identifying as transgender in recent years. Of course, it's the trendy thing to do. Diagnosis of gender dysphoria surged over 30% from 2016 to 2021 nationwide. Yet oddly, the state of Florida remained virtually unchanged. Turns out embracing biological reality over hormones and scaffolds yields healthier outcomes. Who would have ever thought? Speaking of Florida, the State Department of Transportation has rejected proposed taxpayer-funded billboards that warn about the so-called climate crisis. The agency barred references to the scientifically unfounded term now used to push radical economic agendas. Kudos to the state of Florida for continuing to put facts over the hype. And that's been today's Wretched News Break. Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible The book of Joel describes a series of disasters that serve as God's judgment and a warning that an even more severe day of judgment is coming. When you see the power and fury of creation, do not fear nature, but fear Him who controls nature. But if God's people will turn to Him in repentance, He will be compassionate and rescue them. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And speaking of getting older, this is Wretched Radio. Christians should view aging and dying differently than the world does. Radically differently. Because we get it. We, we under, In a sense, aging and dying is natural in, in this dispensation that we currently live in. We get it. And we don't have to fight against it. We don't have to spend tons of dollars to make sure that there's nothing that's out of place. And we certainly don't have to look like a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader when we're 77 years old. Hello, Dolly. I'm looking at you. That's ridiculous. That is, that is if, the, if, if a history book were written about how the world system manifests itself, Dolly's going to have a chapter. I'm not critiquing her singing, her songwriting ability. If you enjoy her music, swell. I'm just saying her whole life has been about presenting herself in a way that attracts untoward attention. We, We are to be like John the Baptist, okay? We're not to be the bright light. We're not to be the ones where people idolize us. We're to be the ones that reflect. So we want to fit in. We want to not be sore thumbs in a culture. We want to understand how, how people dress and what the, what the customs are. want to do all of that. But I am not going to let them pistol whip me into, into pretending I'm something that I'm not because I get it. I get it. And let me tell you when I'm getting it. I'm looking during the break, looking at my texter machine. I'm I'm just don't worry I'm not going to read you a text. The top text is informing me of the funeral of 
the wife of a dear friend. Second text is from a brother who just had something removed from his body that it turns out is benign. And by the way, his text is about Todd praying for you today, the guy who just had surgery and could have been dealing with something that was that was dangerous. Praying for you today, he comforts us in all of our affliction so that we may be able to come. He's, so he's, 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 he's Corinthian-ing-ing-ing me, reminding us that dilapidated bodies, God, God knows that is going to happen. And you will be comforted, and then you will share that comfort with others who need comforting as their body falls apart. All right, the third text, that's from my wife. Uh, that is from Matt down the hall. Oh, here's from a loved one who's in hospice care. Uh, These are my top 10 most recent texts to me. Oh, hold on. Okay, this one guy, he was just sick, had something. Next one. Wife is facing life-threatening illness. These, these, those are my top eight texts. We can't escape this. We can't, we, we can't ignore it. We can't pretend. And the Dolly show that tries to, hey, look at me. Aging isn't affecting me. I got to tell you, Dolly has plenty of aches and pains. You just don't get to hear about them because she doesn't want to look vulnerable because I don't think she gets it. There is dignity in aging. We, our culture is so upside down on this. They, they, the, the predominant mindset should be, look at that old person. It's amazing. I hope I get to be like that someday. That's, that's the biblical attitude. And I, I think that maybe we should ask ourselves some questions in that regard. Are we cultivating that in our families and in our churches? Are we helping the young people to reject the world's cries? Be young, be hip, be foolish, be stupid, take risks, make, do draw, whatever it is. And are, are we countering that in any way by saying, oh, no, 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 that's, that's, that's not what you want. That's what the devil wants for you. That's what the world system would offer you. God has something so much better. Let me show it to you. And we then can be honoring old people in our church. That's why we need you there. If you're old, please keep going to church. We need you there. We, we need you to model. I just, um, I think it was not the B. This, this was totally secular. Well, not totally, but pretty close. There was, well... I guess you have to mention skin color because that's what you do these days. You have to identify somebody's skin color. So it was a white girl who was a troubled girl who uh, lost her parents, somehow got taken away. And she was fostered by a black woman who apparently has fostered like 35 kids over the years. And she decided because she was thinking about her to post X number of years later. This woman had an amazing impact. I was horrible to her. I didn't do anything she said. I yelled at her, fought, everything. And I just, if she's out there, I just, I just want to let you know, you had an amazing impact on my life. Now, that is one little microcosm of what should be going on in the church. That older people are affecting the lives of younger people. And that is why, look, I'm not saying it's a sin uh, to, to, to do this segregated teaching and segregated age groups. That's a world system. The, even the age stuff in school, that's, 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 that's a world, that's a modern education idea. We learn from older people. And when you separate them, the young people don't get to learn. And tragically, the old people who have hard-won wisdom don't get to download it. The church should be so different. 
And I would even do this sort of a shout out because we have heard from people who sent emails to idea at wretched.org that said, Hey, I'm in a church and it's really great, but it's, you know, I'm like the only young person here. There's like two or three of us. Oh, dare I say lucky you. What a blessing that is. You get all those people to yourself. And the wise young person says, I'm going to get what they got. I'm going to get it faster because God has given them to me to learn for my advancement so I don't perhaps have to stub my toe as many times as they did. (laughs) Old people are a blessing. The church should be promoting that blessing. And you should be sending stuff to 877-282-2337. All right, this next question is actually two questions, but they're the same question, kind of, sort of. So I wanted to ask you what, both what of you, them. Bill Clinton? What kind <laughs> of a setup is... All right, just listen. Angel, the first question. This one, the uh, first one is from L. Todd, I want to follow Jesus, but I don't understand God's design for marriage. Why did God give men all the power over women in Hold marriage? It. Stop, wait. Hold it. Uh-huh. Let's just write that down. All the power over women. Keep going. The Bible says we're all one in Christ, so why is submission even necessary anymore? And then the second question from Anonymous that came in through text, Todd, you briefly mentioned that in Christian marriage, the husband should act like Jesus and his wife act like the church. Can you elaborate on what it looks like for a wife to act like the church? Sure. And you know that if, if we do that, that will help us, I think, with a little bit of a corrective of all the power. It's simply not the way that I would phrase it. As we look at reality, we see institutions, and the Bible identifies those, and they are ordained by God. For instance, Romans 13, you got governments. When we're called to submit to those that God has put in authority over us. Why? Because otherwise, this would be Lord of the Flies. We see even in the teacher-student relationship. Now, this, this isn't like it's an endorsed institution, But Paul is referring to the law being a schoolmaster and that ultimately when we graduate into Christ, the the tutor has no more authority over us. So the Bible recognizes that in in the institution of education, you got a teacher and you got a student. Otherwise, what's the how is that going to work? No, that's not the right answer. Well, I have just as much authority as you. It is blank loggerheads work would be another another realm. Parenting most certainly is a realm. Here's a, here's a, this is interesting. If you're a woman and this whole conversation perhaps is, this is the subject that makes you kind of go, <laughs> when I make this, when I make this biblical statement, how do you feel about it? Mom, you have all authority over your children. You better believe I do. <laughs> we don't think twice about that. Why do we feel that way in marriage? Now, I wouldn't use the phrase all the authority. I don't think that's the dynamic and the way that it's supposed to work. It shouldn't be authoritarian. It shouldn't be, in the worst sense of the word, patriarchal. But it that institution, it requires leadership and submission. Otherwise, it doesn't work. So a man isn't to lord it. He's supposed to lay down his life. He's supposed to serve from underneath. Who's the greatest in the kingdom? Who's the best husband? The one who puts himself last, not first. So we model Jesus who laid it down for the church and we emulate him. And by the way, that goes for men and women both. But in this context about the subject of marriage, it's a great mystery 
You, sir, play the role of Jesus. Madam, you play the role of the church. And what do we see there? We submit to our master. And if we're going to play our roles, then we have to do it rightly. And it shouldn't cause us to bristle because Jesus already modeled it for us. Philippians 2. He should have been worshipped 24-7 on this planet, but he didn't come to be served but to serve. Lay down his life as a ransom for us. And so that is how the husband is supposed to model Jesus. What do you want, dear? What, and accommodate it and work on it. And only in those situations where it's loggerheads and you can't get it resolved because let's not, let's not overlook the smarts and the gifts of women. If he has to lay down the authority card, he does so, but he even then does it lovingly. This is Wretched Radio. Okay, so imagine that you're inside of a maze and every corner that you take, there's another wall, there's another obstacle, and you finally get to the point of frustration where you think you're never going to get out. But then imagine a different scenario. You're still inside that maze, but every corner you take is a guide who has a flashlight and is saying, nope, that's the right way to go. And in that scenario, we welcome you to Transform with Dr. Greg Gifford. And whether you've listened or not, you'll realize really quickly it's not your everyday radio show. Transform with Dr. Greg Gifford takes issues that many, if not all of us, struggle with. And it matches them up to hope and healing through the pages of the Bible. It is genuinely an entirely new perspective. New episodes drop every Saturday morning in your favorite podcast spot or at transformed.org slash podcast transformed with dr greg gifford so you aren't convinced of the importance of training godly men to rightly divide the word of truth in churches internationally well then we'll let paul washer convince you you have to support men who are elder qualified proclaimers of the word when we support a man coming out of tmai we know not only that he is properly trained but we know that he will still be supervised would you please join tmai the master's academy international in advancing the good news of the gospel of jesus christ through expository preaching in local churches around the globe it's a magnificent ministry and it's so important. Please consider partnering with TMAI at wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor. Thank you for supporting indigenous pastors around the world. Well, 2024 is a crucial election year. The sanctity of life is at the forefront. And while we do celebrate the overturning of Roe, we cannot ignore the surge of pro-choice voices. They are persuasive, but we can and should be more convincing. We have to stand firm, not only in our beliefs, but also in the understanding of the gospel to change hearts and minds. Pro-choice advocates rally voters with misleading arguments. And as Christians, it is our duty to counter these narratives with truth and compassion. Remember, this is not only about politics. It's about protecting the lives of the unborn. The debate has shifted to when instead of should, and now it's time to refocus this conversation. Equip your family and your church with Life is Best, a 13-lesson series that's not just powerful, but a call to action. Order your free digital download and streaming version from the Wretched Store right now. It's available for free during the month of January. You have until January 31st, and we, together, can make a difference. 
Hermeneutics. Hermeneutics is the art and science of interpreting scripture. One key principle of hermeneutics is reading verses in context. Words can have multiple meanings, but the intended meaning of a word is understood from its context in the surrounding words, verses, paragraphs and chapters, all understood in the context of the Bible as a whole. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And another thing, this is Wretched Radio. Hoping you'll send stuff to idea at wretched.org. Text 877-282-2337. Regarding the idea that the husband has all authority. Let's just take a look at other institutions that God has ordained. Does a teacher have all authority over the student? And the answer is no. There are limitations. Does the government have all authority over the citizens? No, not according to the Bible, according to Joe Biden, but not according to the Bible, <laughs> as if we'd expect him to get that. We see limitations of authority. And the same thing is true when it, when it comes to parenting. Yes, you have all of the power in your house, but that doesn't mean that you can command your kid to do anything that you want. That can be an abuse of authority. You can't beat them with a rock. You can't be cruel to them. That's abusing authority. It has its limits. And the same thing is true with husband and wife. The men who, and there's a little bit of a, there's a little bit of an undercurrent going on in evangelicalism right now that's trying to return to a more muscular, patriarchal presentation of the Christian husband. That, yeah. He does have all authority. Well, hold on a second. So you have the authority to go, hey, hey, the way you're sitting right now, straighten up. Got all authority. You go, well, that seems a little abusive, frankly, and a little unloving and unchristlike. Exactly. We see that in all the other realms, too. There are limitations. The man is the leader, just like every other institution, every single one. You you can't, even in the church, First Peter 5, you got those who are overseers. You, they are elders. They are the ones who have more authority. Now, can they command people in the church to do anything that they want? Of course they can't. Not, not, and I'm not just talking about sin things. I'm talking about their authority is limited to spiritual things. That means that an elder can't ring your doorbell come in with a white glove and check how much dust you have on the furniture and tell you to get it fixed because he has all authority. There isn't a realm or institution of anybody who has all authority but one, God. And we all submit to him. That means kids, that means wife, and that means husband. 877-282-2337. All right. Uh, this is from Nicholas. Todd, in light of sola fide, is it correct to say that repentance is necessary for salvation, but is not the cause of our salvation? Well, that's uh, kind of two baked into one there. Uh, the cause of our salvation is Jesus. <laughs> he gives us repentance. He gives us faith. In a sense, they're one and the same thing. We, I think the, the, like the most clarifying way to say it is God grants us a repentant faith. He gives us, well, we're getting into the order of salutis here, but he gives us a new heart with new desires. 
that exhibits itself in repentance and faith. So repentance and faith are not the mechanism that save us. They're actually the fruit that God already has. And it comes out in repentance and faith, which is, which this is why we've got to be careful in evangelism. I, I, I don't think that we really should. I don't think it's smart. And I don't see this in the Bible, by the way. I don't see the gospel being presented to a pagan by explaining the ordo salutis and that salvation is of God. It's a general call. Now, I find myself saying this, and every time I do, I go, oh, that's the ordo salutis, but it's to help people understand. I've said this before. Hey, when you repent and put your trust in Jesus Christ, you will be born again and saved. That's, that's actually not right. You're born again, and you repent and trust in Jesus Christ because you are saved. Do we do we have to explain it in that detail? I don't think it's all that helpful. I, I, I think it's understanding uh, justification and soteriology at a different level. I don't think we have to explain that to the unbeliever. But if we're going to be precise about the whole repentance and faith business, those things do not save because Jesus grants a repentant faith. You're chomping. I can see. You're no, no, I'm. I'm just agreeing with you. I'm shaking my no, head you because you're chomping. <laughs> I was not, dude. I look at your mush all day, every day. <laughs> you're so lucky. I like a book. I can read you, handsome one. No, no, no. You, I, when you lean into the mic, <laughs> any monkey could pick up that cue. Now, I was just agreeing in my head with what you were saying that uh, you know the 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 God and. And just thinking uh, Romans one, the gospel is the power of God into salvation. So, you know, the death, burial and resurrection, that that message is what is going to grant repentance and going to open the eyes. Sure. But yeah. it's got to be granted by God. Because right, right, exactly. Spiritually, things are only spiritually discerned. They can't we can't get repentance and faith right. without Jesus opening up our eyes. We get, so it's all of him. And I do think that if if I could if I could do uh, and then and, and like a. Ah, and uh, they, they, my uh, would be, we've got to be talking about a repentant faith. Without repentance, people will not see the kingdom of God. Now, that does not override sola fide, because you can't have faith until you turn. <laughs> so, yeah. And you can argue till the cows come home, which one comes first? Repentance. But that that's an in-house debate. So my my encouragement is, don't. Water it down. Repentance and faith. Now, here's the encouragement in these in-house squabbles. Uh, how it works down to the nth degree. Uh, a little bit of humility in that regard. 877-282-2337. All right. This one is about evangelism from Jesse. She's wondering, Ty, can you point out or point something to something in the Bible that supports using gospel tracks? Uh, I use tracks regularly as conversation starters, but many people in my church are turned off by the idea. They find them offensive, ineffective, and outdated. Now, that's a subjective opinion, I think. Now, there's plenty of stories of people who have been saved by gospel tracts. It, it does happen. Furthermore, some choose them as a tool for a conversation starter. Some people want people, a lot of people, to get the gospel into their hands. And that is, that's a really efficient way to do that. Is there a Bible verse that commands it? No. But 
Is there a Bible verse that commands you to not do that? Absolutely not. And so I would say to those people, look, I understand you don't dig it. Let me just show you some of these so you can understand what they say. Let me explain to you why I do what I do, the effectiveness of distributing the gospel this quickly and efficiently and cheaply. And whether you choose to join me or not, up to you. But I won't judge you for not. I trust you won't judge me if I do. 877-282-2337. All right, this is from Anonymous. Hey. Yes, hey. yes. Hey. Hey. Speaking of distributing stuff, uh -huh. I can't tell you what, but we got a really big announcement coming up very, very soon. Not just for the U.S. of A., is that what we're still called here? <laughs> For now. You don't have a border. I'm just wondering if we are in a... It's okay. We're still a nation. All right. Not just here, but even internationally, we got something in the barrel loaded. Can't wait to blast it very soon. I think you're going to be excited if you are one of those people who loves to give away gospel literature. 877-282-2337. All right, this is from Anonymous. Todd, recently you talked about how millennials are dreading becoming mothers. I'm a mother of a three-year-old and a one-year-old, and I don't enjoy it most of the time. Mm. So I sympathize with those who don't want kids because of being a, uh, being a mother feels like it's never ending and a difficult sure. burden. Yeah. My question is, how do I actually start to enjoy my children instead of regret them? Well, I think that this this is going to require a pretty deep dig because I can only speak in generalities here. We need to recognize motherhood is hard. It is demanding. And there are so many women smart. They could compete in the workplace. And they lay it down to change a diaper over and over again. Chase that little kid around to make sure they don't fall and bump their heads. I, I think we should at least be willing to say, yeah, that work can indeed be pretty basic and it can indeed be pretty mundane. But something's off if a mother isn't happy about the assignment. Now, that doesn't mean you can't ever get tired. It doesn't mean that you can't ever go, oh, honey, I could use a break with this because, wow, have I had a day. In fact, sir, you want to be like Jesus and lead when you get home? Kick it in gear for her, uh, serve her, help her. And to the woman who is maybe harboring these types of sentiments, uh, I think vocation is crucial. God has called you to this. He's equipped you and designed you for this. This is your assignment and you're doing it for God. And it elevates diaper changing to something eternal. Furthermore, studying the blessing of children, what they are, there might be some practical things in your life. You aren't getting a break. You aren't getting any support. You aren't getting your, and you know, it can kind of, it wears you down. Address those things. Work on the theology of what it is that God has assigned you to. And that should grow your heart toward them. And, and as they increasingly can express their love for you, your love for them and your joy and delight in them, it'll go up. Stay faithful, Mom. And until tomorrow, go serve your king. <laughs>